swagger, okay? Regardless of what happens out there, doesn't matter. Keep your swagger. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Five Hole Fantasy Hockey Podcast. We're your hosts today, TJ, Zach, and Raj. Hey there. Hey, hey, hey. So we got an exciting episode. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm always excited. I'm like a fucking golden retriever. Our biggest disagreement of all is in this episode, I think. It will be. Yeah. Um, Eric Carlson, number two. Oof. So we are, we're finishing off our rankings episodes. We, today we got your top 10 defensemen uh, for fantasy, and we've gotten this question a lot. Um, People want to know if if we have like a banger slant if we're if we're looking at these guys through a categories lens or you know points only lens. I I personally I tried to do it somewhere in the middle just so it would be as widely applicable as possible. And I think you know looking at your guys' lists, it it you know it seems pretty similar that we all kind of tried to meet in the middle, make it as relevant as possible for all types of leagues. Yeah, agreed. But I mean, I will say sometimes depending on a certain player. I might be a little slanted because it's like, hey, you're not going to get this kind of point production from many defensemen. So some of them might slip a little higher into my ranks. Quinn Hughes. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Because uh, he does points and that's it. Um, so, yeah, like, you know, somebody like Hughes is for me, I guess I had more of a banger slant because he's a lot lower on my list than your guys but is what it is today we got some news how do you guys feel about this timmy stutzla love it eight times 8.35 yeah i love it they're betting on him because he has not produced at 8.35 yet the plan is that he will the plan is that he will and he'll be worth more than that and you're gonna have him for eight years yeah. where you know five of those years he might be worth, you know, nine, ten million dollars. And I'm seeing some tweets out there. People are tweeting about like, you know, the the Ottawa core only costs like thirty seven million. And then you look at Toronto and they're like, all right, well, they're spending forty seven million on their core. But like at this point, the, the Toronto core is just so much better than the Ottawa core right now. And it's like, come on, you know, ten more million dollars for five players you know, $2 million a player, however you want to average it out. Like, but this is a team that has consistently brought you to the playoffs consistently, you know, game sevens, like they're right on the cusp of, you know, you, you guys remember how Washington was, they could never get past the first round. They could never get past Pittsburgh. And then they finally did. And that year they won the cup. Toronto just has that kind of energy. Like as soon as they get over that first round hump, it's just, they have all the momentum in the world and that's going to be the year. For sure. And I mean, even Tampa too, right? Like before they started this streak, they had a pretty embarrassing year and a couple of disappointing years before that. So it's Toronto is, is nowhere close to the same league as Ottawa. I mean, that's a silly comparison, but we'll, we'll see how this one ages, but uh, $8.35 million a year. That's top power play money, guys. That is top power play money. So is this another, you know, wrench, wrench in the, in the stew? Whatever I just made up an idiom here on the on the spot here, but uh, I mean obviously like you're just saying about the, the money like this is uh, obviously an eight year plan, so I don't think they'll necessarily rush him into a position they don't think he's ready for. But I do think he is going to get all the chance to be a power play player. But 
I don't think they're going to push it because, like Zach was saying, like he might be overpaid for two years and then properly paid for two years and then a great value for three or four years and then you know what I mean. So they're definitely looking at it that way. So I don't think they'll push him into a position. But if it's one thing they got. It's time. Well, and you know it's going to have a lot to do with what goes on with Batherson too. If if he doesn't end up playing, then there's a one less player for him to worry about. Yeah, I I I like the contract. I love this whole deal. Uh, I like the direction that they're moving in. And you also have to take into account that the Ottawa Senators are the third youngest team in the entire league. Mm-hmm. They're one of only three teams that have an average age of 25 years old. That's fucking young for an NHL team. And they've got this core locked up. That's the thing. So you got Shabbat under contract, Norris. So you have this really young core. I think it spells good things. And it, and it might not be this year, but they are moving in the right direction. Yep. And that's the thing. They have time. Uh, you know, Debrinkat after this year is looking for another contract. So maybe he stays with Ottawa. That would be excellent. They got Giroux for three. Those could be the three years where Stutzla's, you know, learning the ropes from Giroux. And that just turns out to be, you know, the perfect mentorship there. But, um, all right, let's get into our defense rankings. Man, we are we're coming back to this with uh Kel McCarr at number 1. He is our consensus number 1. All three of us had him at number 1. There's no debate about this one. Uh you know, last year it was Yossi, but we'll all agree and most of our listeners probably have the same thought running through their head about Roman Yossi is that Nashville was punching above their weight class last year. Forsberg hit 40 goals. Duchesne hit 40 goals. Duchesne might have been one of the most unsustainable players of last year. And there was just a lot of unsustainability on that team. I think, uh, you know, the top line, number one, they accounted for most of the points. And everything always funnels through like a bottlenecks around Yossi. He is going to be the top point producer on the team every year without fail. But when you take that regression to the top line, it's going to trickle down to Yossi's totals. And that's where it kind of, that's where it happens. Uh, I think they shot like 14% on ice shooting percentage on that top line. It was nuts. But we're talking about Cal McCarr here, and there's plenty of good things to say about him. This is a this is still a really good team. That top power play lost Nazem Kadri, but they've got guys like and you know Andre Burakovsky. But they've got guys to fill in. They have uh, you know Arturi Lekinen. They have Valerie Nishushkin who could be on that top power play. But they still have the big three. They still have Cal McCarr. He's going to be pushing for 90 points. Yeah, what do you guys got on him? He's at least a point per game defenseman. At least, like that's a safe floor at least a point per game defenseman on top of the fact he also it's not like he gives you a ton of bangs or a ton of blocks but he does give you at least one or more per game like you have to like that he's helping out a little bit everywhere and it's the points it's just the points and i understand and and i totally agree with the whole roman yossi thing because i'm a roman yossi owner and i i you know, I don't know if he's the keeper. I actually have Hedman and Yossi. And like I've said before, I think I'm going to have to go Hedman because I think that regression is real. That regression is fucking real. I don't trust you, Matt Duchesne. And that is really going to hurt all of these, you know, personal like bests just happening all in one year. I don't believe it for next year. Now, if it does, then I'm wrong. And, I, and I'm okay with that too. But I'd rather take the safe bet and take someone like Kale McCarr and it's not Yossi he slipped he actually slipped he was I was the lowest on him you were yeah all of Nashville was just a crazy awesome season like just to 
to put it in perspective how crazy it was too, like Yossi had more power play points than Makar. Nobody should have more power play points as a defenseman than than Kale McCarr playing on the Avalanche uh, power play, right? So two years ago and for all the years before that, it was the like embarrassingly bad. And then just all of a sudden, it, it's, it's the worst. You know what I mean? It's so like great, <laughs> great season on Yossi. But Yossi also had like 20 more assists, which is just crazy. I can only imagine at least 20 of those assists are going to disappear this year just from sheer unsustainability of the forwards and the power play for the power play to i know you guys were just talking about this but for it to come out of nowhere in one year like that's an outlier it's got to be an outlier you know this might not be the new nashville power play it could have just been one of those unsustainable years because unsustainability doesn't have to go away after two weeks it can go a whole year we saw with you know Kreider. we saw with duchene this year um there's just too many you know, going with what Rod was saying, too many firsts. This was the first year Nashville saw a 40-goal score, and they saw two of them. The first year in their history of being a team. So there's that. Uh, you know, I'm looking at the power play totals right now. Victor Hedman actually led defensemen in power play totals, one point behind Kale McCarr. He, granted, he had five more games played, but that's, in and of itself, that's, uh, that's useful. Having those, having that defenseman there for those five extra games, uh, still over a point per game, um, and I'll tie this right into it. All three of us have Victor Hedman at number two, which, you know, this is a bit of an iconoclastic, to use a twenty-five cent word here. That's it's a contrarian this year. Nobody really has Victor Hedman at number two. You just got fifty cents. Contrarian and iconoclastic, yeah, cashing in today, boys. Um, Edmund, man, like we're talking about him. He had one point less than Kel McCarr in five more games. So we're looking at point per game, 1.04 for Victor Hedman, 1.12 for Kale McCarr. But Victor Hedman is, is the type of player that is there. Kel McCarr has, what, never had a full season in his career. And Victor Hedman, on the other hand, has been generally pretty healthy. Like he's always up there. This past year, he had 82 games. Going back, 54 out of a potential 56, 66 out of like 70, however much Tampa had. And then, you know, he's he's fallen into those Kale McCart, but uh, he came really close. And I don't think it's talked about enough that Victor Hedman at number two in our defenseman rankings, like it feels right. And it's it's almost that Hedman had a, like a quiet year. Similar to Vasilevsky, right? It's just like, you know exactly what's going to happen, barring any crazy you know, crazy injury out of nowhere or anything like, you know exactly what's going to happen with Victor Hedman. There's no, no worries whatsoever. And I think that's worth a lot when you're talking about a top two round kind of guy. All we're really saying here is Yossi's going to regress. If you look at last year in terms of fantasy, it was Yossi, Makar, Hedman. So all we're saying really is Yossi's going to drop a couple spots. So we're not really predicting any wild changes or anything. And it's not like you think he's going to drop far. Like, you guys both have him at number three, and I have him at number four. Yeah, and he still is our consensus number three. So, number one, we all had Kel McCarr. Two, we all had Victor Hedman. Three was Roman Yossi. Three-year average, he's just about point per game. Uh, You know, 56-point pace uh, the year before this one, where he put up 33 points in 48 games. So, he came out of nowhere again and almost doubled his point pace from two years ago to last year. Uh, 98 point pace, 37 power play points. He was actually second in the league for defensemen with power play points. 
Edmund with 38, Yossi with 37, Kael McCarr, and then Adam Fox. And, you know, strangely enough, those are our top four defensemen feasting on the power play. Uh, not necessarily power play merchants, but they are like, look at this, you know, Kale McCarr, Colorado, one of the best teams, Tampa, one of the best teams, New York Rangers, one of the best power plays, uh, you know, up and coming best team, Nashville. Mm. So again, there, there we have the, the, you know, the outlier is Nashville and their power play. Like how much faith do we have in that? How much faith do we have? You know, I know Roman Yossi is going to be a good defenseman. He puts up shots like nobody else puts up blocks, puts up hits, the power play points, which really buoyed his year, uh, you know, the the years going back, like it was a shortened season, but he had 14 power play points in 48 games in the, you know, the COVID shortened season. And then he had 37 this year. So is Nashville's power play going to be that good next year? A lot of us don't have faith in that, but he's still number three on our list. Like he's still great. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I expect a bunch of regression and that's why he's not first where technically last year in terms of fantasy he ran away with first place last year we're predicting a huge regression <laughs> and it only brings him down that far yeah i have adam fox number three because we we've talked about this new york rangers team extensively here but i do think that it is going to work and i've seen that power play and i've seen how it runs through adam fox i see how they play even five on five adam fox touches the puck so fucking much and they're going to, and they're, you know, they're a good team. They have so much offensive talent. He's definitely going to continue to get those points. And, you know, he's sprinkling in, uh, sprinkling in some blocks there. Not a ton of hits, but I, I think that Adam Fox is going to continue to take steps forward. Yeah, almost in tandem with the the New York Rangers. Like they, they keep getting better year over year. And that's one of those rising tide floats all boats. So right here, we're betting on the, the Rangers to either, you know, stand pat or, get a little bit better. Now with Yossi, we're, we're betting on the team to fall down a little bit. And I think that might be why, Raj, you have John Carlson down at number eight while Zach and I have him at five. He is our number five ranked defenseman as a group here. And then Chris Letang right behind him. So, it, you know, this, this is still, and this is why I am so against Kale McCarr in the first round too. Like we're still talking about point per game defenseman here. John Carlson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like I've got our D ADP right here. John Carlson's going at thirty-seven, so that's the third round here. And he's still throwing. And he's still throwing in blocks. He could easily get you a point per game. Now he hasn't done it with the same consistency that someone like Akil McCarr had. But I could see what you're saying about not taking that in the first round. I don't know. It's 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 hard for me to to shy away from that. It always will be. But I I like John Carlson, and and it's again. Because of the team that he's on. That's how I, I'm not going to lie, it plays a big part into my rankings on what kind of team they are. You know what I mean? Next up, I have Aaron Ekblad. Fantastic fucking team with fantastic fucking offensive talent. This one surprised me that being the Ekblad fanboy, I thought I would have him the highest. I I am still really big on Aaron Ekblad. I know they they lost some, but I think they're gaining some too. And we'll see if it's more of like a, uh, you know, reload this upcoming year. I don't think it's going to be the same exact as it was with Huberdeau, but well, I, I think it's going to be exciting to see. And, and Aaron Ekblad, if he's staying on the ice and he, if he can't stay on the ice, that's the biggest question mark with him. He could also be point per game. Mm -hmm. Aaron Ekblad, he did. He has that in him. Now, before we get on to Ekblad, Raj, I wanted to get your take on Carlson. You had him at number eight, the lowest on the three of us about him. 
uh, quite a few guys you had ahead of him. Let's start at your number four because we didn't even get into your number four. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Chris Letang. I had him at number four. He, his issue has always been injury. And that past year, he basically played the full season. And he ended up like fourth overall. And I'm basically banking on him not getting injured. And that's, I mean, that's, that is the question is how much you want to weigh the risk of him getting injured. Right. Cause every single year he's a top four defenseman in terms of points per game. So it's always just been a matter of, is he going to play or not? The team hasn't changed in all this time. Right. And his production's basically always been the same. So he's just, he, he gets a ton of hits. Like he's got more hits than anybody else in the, in the top 20 defensemen, top, 10 in blocks as well so he's just a great all-around guy and in terms of Carlson I just like I mentioned in the last episode I'm just I don't see Washington as being bad but I just see them as slowly fading into the distance and well a few of these other guys like I just think Latang is going to be exactly the same as last year uh, and that's the difference there for me and that's a conversation that needs to happen here is is Chris Latang injury prone anymore over the last three years, he's missed 12 games total over the last three years. So that's four on average. And that's, I, I remember not too long ago, we're like, well, you can't really draft Chris Letang because he's going to be down for 15 games a year. And it has not been the case uh, over the last three years. So getting a guy ADP that we have, uh, which is five hole mixed with Yahoo is 44. So he's going late third. And this is a guy that, uh, you know, using Fantrax's projected scoring here is going to be 40 points less than Kel McCarr. See, I don't know if I want to spend a third round pick on Chris Letang, though. But that's where the value comes in. It's like, uh, you know, a third round on Letang, late third round, or a top six pick in Kel McCarr. Can you justify that? Like, a lot of people are going in the in the third. I just got Victor Hedman in the third round in a, a Fantasy Hockey Trades Invitational, and I was thrilled with that. Like I, you know, I drafted second. So it was very early third. I got, uh, you know, heavy bangs. So I got a Vander Kane in the second, like very heavy bangs. Um, and I got Austin Matthews at number two, you know, going into round three, I've got Matthews, Vander Kane, Latang. I just drafted Demko in the fourth round, which is very, uh, not my style, but the way that the scoring is like goalies are very favored. And I noticed a lot of goalie, like Hellebuck was drafted in the third round or the fourth round before Demko. So I, I had to get a goalie. I'm very happy with the way that draft is going out. But this this is what I want to get at is like these these guys, uh, Moritz Sider, who's who's number nine by ADP is going, you know, on the four, uh, three, four turn. And this is this. He's great for banger leagues. And it's just it's more ammunition for me to not draft Kale McCarr inside the top six and i have pick number seven in our five hole tier one uh listener league so i'm like god damn it like it the, the karma in our in our tier one listener league like uh zach gets number one after years and years of, of bitching like oh i always get number 10 fuck fuck me fuck this and he's like this biggest <laughs> i fucking i always have always 11 it's a horrid like no offense but 11 is a horrible like i know you don't like the top end but like 11 is just one of the worst freaking spots to draft mm. because it's like you're it's like you're not even getting a first rounder it's like you're getting two second round picks no i get it like it fucking blows so yeah well this is it because now we can we can see if you're going to take mcdavid or you know matthews i know you're a matthews fanboy Raj is number two so there's going to be karma there if he's going to stick with his dry sidle at number two or if he's going to go matthews here and I'm at number seven, 
which is just the hockey gods laughing at me like, oh, you, you said so much shit about Cam Carr. Okay, well, you know, back it up. Let's see. Let's see what you have to say. So, yeah, we'll see what I do at number seven. It's it's a risky spot because I've always said I'm not taking Kel McCarr if I have a top six pick. So it's just very fitting that I got number seven overall. But uh, okay, let's let's get back on the rails here. Um, Chris Letang was Raj's number four pick. Number five is where you had Adam Fox, and our top five here: Kel McCarr, Hedman, Yossi, Fox, Carlson. That's where we had Letang. You know, everything seems to be pointing in the right direction for somebody like Chris Letang. Same as Aaron Ekblad. It's just a matter of health, if he can stay healthy. Number seven. This is where it gets fun. Brent fucking Burns, guys. Brent Burns back in the limelight, playing with the Carolina Hurricanes, playing on their top power play in place of Tony D'Angelo. Zach, you are not high on Brent Burns. You had him at number 11. I had him outside my top 10. You did. And me and Raj threw the average. We we had both had him at six. So his his average here. Well, I feel like I threw off you your You brought him average. down one spot. I'm glad I could do something about it, too. He was our seventh. This is why I love him. 54-point pace with San Jose last year, right? So there's that. And then you go look at Tony D'Angelo, who played 64 games with Carolina last year, had 20 power play points. And this is in comparison to Brent Burns. I think he had, what, 18 power play points all year, like 82 games. Number one, that is what Brent Burns is known for. He does not miss games. 18 power play points with San Jose. Tony D had two more power play points in less games, 64 power play points. So Tony D was on a 26 power play point pace. If we give Brent Burns an extra, what's that, eight power play points on top of his 54 point pace, we're looking at a 62 point Brent Burns. And that's taking his San Jose even strength totals to Carolina, where I think we can all agree Brent Burns will be be doing better at five on five in Carolina than he was in San Jose. So taking Tony D's power play points, Brent Burns is, you know, we're hoping that it's going to be better even strength deployment and even strength production. I I think we get a a 55 plus 60 point Brent Burns here in Carolina. I'm not worried about him staying on the ice. That's what he does. I'm not worried about how old he is. Carolina is badass. Their power play was a struggle last year, and Brent Burns is going to bring stability to that. He's going to bring his shots back, hopefully. I'm excited about Brent Burns in Carolina. By the rankings, I'm equally excited. When you look at it, <laughs> he went from also having a Carlson available in San Jose. I know they don't really compete because there's just so much room to play in San Jose, but I think when he comes to Carolina he's brought in to shoot a lot on the power play. Like that seems like why he's there. Age isn't really an issue the way he plays. And he's just a, such a mountain of a man. He's old. He's old. I want to get one more thing in before Zach brings his wet blanket out. Tony D saw 68% of the power play time. The last time Brent Burns saw 68% of the power play time, he was an 83 point defenseman on pace. And, and it's not even, we don't need to say on pace with Brent Burns because he got 83 points in that year. He was shooting fucking 3.7 times a game. And that, that has, has gone away. But, uh, I think we can get three shots a game out of him again. I think we can get 25 ish power play points. And I think we got a 55, 60 point defenseman here in Brent Burns. I would not be surprised if the over hits on 60, I don't want to hype anybody up too much, but I, 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 that's honestly what I think 60 plus. Over 60. 
chugging away, chug a chug a choo choo, man. It's like you drank a Red Bull right. You chugged a Red Bull right before you started talking. What do you mean you don't want to hype anybody up? You're getting all hyped up. I I did. I'm drinking a Red Bull right now. I th- I think it's true. Okay, so. I hope it works out. I'm not saying I don't. Like, I'm not, like, rooting against him, but... It sounds like you are. They don't exactly play the same kind of speed of hockey. How is that you a bad understand. thing? understand, so you want these shots to come back. How is that a bad thing? Give me a sec. You want these shots to come back, yes? That's not the style of offense that, that, uh, that the Carolina Hurricanes play. They don't play a back-end heavy offense, which is what they had to do in San Jose, Because you have someone like Brent Burns. So now it's either they're going to have to change the way the entire offense is run so that Brent Burns fits in. Because what they are is a cycle-heavy offense. They're a cycle-heavy offense, and that isn't how Brent Burns plays. Ninth in the league in shots four per game. I would love to see him get three, four four shots on goal a game. But that's the whole thing. Brent Burns is going to take, you know, eight shots. Hopefully, we're thinking three or four of them are going to hit, but they don't have they don't give that kind of, that kind of uh, you know shot percentage to a defenseman on that team. Tony D'Angelo was more on a rush, like he would step up into the offensive spot and not play fucking defense. Last time Dougie Hamilton was there, he was three point three shots, three point six shots a game. I think it can come back. I mean, the reason they didn't play that way is because they didn't have Brent Burns. So I, <laughs> in traditional Brent Burns is yeah. a shoot a ton guy, and that's what I'm expecting. Um, and he just yeah he's he's takes a ton of blocks as well, and still never gets injured because he's just a huge man. I'm I'm super super into it. Brent Burns ADP is 51. The style of play of San Jose to Carolina. That's a good thing. I don't know how you're using this as a negative. Let's talk about this. You got Brent Burns now. The style of play on their power play adjusted for Tony D'Angelo to the point where Tony D still saw the same amount of power play, but wasn't putting up the same amount of shots. Now they're getting somebody like a Dougie Hamilton, who I can probably, you know, he was a 70 point defense, 70 point pace defenseman, 63 point pace defenseman his last two years with Carolina. And that's when he was seeing most of the power play time. Brent Burns and Dougie Hamilton are similar enough to the point where that those are the kinds of numbers that I'm looking at. Not the Tony D numbers. I'm looking at the Dougie Hamilton numbers. And that's where I'm kind of plug and playing Brent Burns into. And I do think that they're going to adjust their power play, which wasn't wasn't that great last year. It's not like they're going to want to. Oh, yeah. You know that, you know, our power play that was. 13th in the league last year, just above the Anaheim Ducks. Let's do exactly that next year. No, they have Brent Burns now. So they're going to adjust their power play. They're going to say, let's get more shots on net. How do you score goals? You shoot. They're going to bring in Brent Burns, somebody that was like a four-shot-a-game guy. I, I swear, I, I want to sell you on this, man, because that, Brent Burns is a perfect fit here. I don't have him in number seven. That's all I'm saying. You're adding Aho, you're adding Svechnikov, you're adding all these guys to Brent Burns. He didn't have anyone like that around him last year, and he still kept a reasonable point pace. Like, 44 assists on San Jose is crazy. They barely scored 44 goals last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm not, saying I, I'm not saying I hate it. I'm saying I don't have him at number seven. You should. There are other people that I would take ahead of him. All right. So Brent Burns is our consensus number seven. Morgan Riley, number eight. I think this one speaks for itself. He's the top power play guy in uh, in Toronto. Yeah. And Morgan Riley has been the same Morgan Riley for years and years and years. There's nothing new that's happened in, in Toronto that's going to affect his game. The power play that's coming is going to be the same power play. 
you still have 65 goal Austin Matthews on the team. You have a hundred point uh, Mitch Marner there. John Tavares is going to do his shit and uh, Nylander is getting better and better. So I love having the top power play QB on one of the best power plays in the league. The only time it was an issue was when Barry was there and he started challenging for the power play time in that, which is not an issue, obviously. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't see Giordano or Muzzin or any anybody really challenging for this. If anything, having Geo there takes a bit of the defensive pressure off Riley and frees him up a little bit more. Yeah, they have a solid top six rotation. So that's, that's enough said on Morgan Riley, I think. Um, he is what he is. Aaron Ekblad here at number nine. We talked about this one. Zach, you had him at number six. Raj, you had him down at n- number 12. I had him here at number nine. So Aaron Ekblad, does he stay healthy? How much does Huberdeau affect this? How much does Matthew Kachuk make up for the loss of Jonathan Huberdeau? There's going to be some question marks on this one. And the biggest question mark is, does he stay healthy for, for a year? You know, it, it feels like we've had to say point pace with Aaron Ekblad to the point where it's almost like uh, Eric Carlson. And that's tough. 77 point pace last year, but he only played 61 games. In those 61 games, he had 57 points, which is more than he has ever even paced for. So it's a, it's a very good fit. Uh, very good defenseman. The hits are good. Blocks are okay. Shots are real good. If he plays a full year, this is a very important fantasy hockey defenseman. That I'm sure you can get at a discount. He has been. He has been going. Um, he's actually the sixth off the board so he's going right behind uh no fifth fifth off the board sorry so it's mccarr headman yossi fox ekblad he's going on the uh on the two three turn i'd rather have guys like Latang ahead of him like ekblad had a huge jump in in fantasy point pace last year point pace is great if there's a lot of games he doesn't tend to play all season long which hurts but he he went from just Fan tracks leagues 2.8 points per game to 3.6, which was his biggest jump by far. So, just in, in terms of pace, he went up a lot. You know, Zach's kind of forgetting about how big changes tend to scare him. Like, how is how that's a huge change to what they've done to that team, right? And this one actually does scare me. It is a big change, it is a big change. But I have sufficiently hyped myself up on Aaron Ekblad. Mm -hmm. When he is on the ice, he is fantastic. It's not like they just traded away Jonathan Huberdeau and got, you know, you know, some futures and shit and like, you know, didn't have to pay a bunch of money and whatnot. No, they got a Matt Kachuk back who is a fucking blue chip player. He is going to be incredibly good on that Barkov line. Um, which is going to pad the, the dude, even strength he's stats. Playing, he's fantastic. You know, the, that being an even strength line together is going to pad Aaron Ekblad's uh, even strength production. And, it, you know, what was it? It was like two or three years ago we were getting chirped for how much we liked Aaron Ekblad. And, and here he is. He has arrived. One thing I will say is, I've, I've said this quite a few over the offseason, is that Florida was the, the highest scoring team since 1995 with Mario Lemieux. Uh, you know, that Penguins team was the last team that scored as much as Florida. You know, from last year going into this year, if it was the same team, I'd be projecting pretty much everybody for for a little bit of a, a soft 
regression. But still at the same time, I feel like we always need to point out that these injuries, like we're pointing at his injury history. It's not like he has a recurring, you know, shoulder problem where he's just always or just is always getting concussions. You know what I mean? He is out for 30 games every year because of concussions. No, these are like freak bullshit fucking accidents where like, you know, you go into the boards wrong or you, you know, you're, uh, your ice skate just kind of gets clipped in just the wrong way. Like he's not injury prone. He's accident prone. Yeah. I don't want to say extenuating circumstances, but like, dude, it's not like he just is getting the same injury over and over again. Like they're, they're just weird happenstances. So he is accident prone, which is, which is still a question mark. That's not great either, but you like, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I don't think he's bad. I don't by no means is he bad, but I just think, where did you have him? Oh, see, you had had him at uh, number 12, Raj. See, I don't feel so bad about having Brent Burns number 11 then. They're not going to be bad, but they just had, like you said, the best offensive season since 30 years ago kind of thing. That's that's bound to regress quite a bit. Plus, you know, breaking up uh, Huberdeau and Barkov on that power play has been a thing for their whole career, basically, so... So all those changes scare me a bit just to knock him down a few places. And I actually like that he ended up at about nine uh, overall, because I think I did maybe have him a little low, but I just, I wouldn't bump anybody personally. Number 10, we had Mo Sider going into his sophomore year. This is a much improved Detroit team. And I think that played into all of our rankings here. Uh, You know, you always kind of think that uh, a sophomore slump could potentially hit somebody. But with all the improvements that Detroit made, I think any slump he might see is going to wash out. Um, I don't know how much higher I'm going to project him. He was, um, what do you have, like 52 points last year. I'd probably put him in that 55-ish point range. 50 points. 50 points. All right, there you go. I think he's probably a 55-point guy. What really sells me is just the periphery is out of hand. And this is a guy that came into the league. I saw him crunching vets. Just chewing him up along the boards. He's 21 years old. He is mature. He's six foot four, 200 pounds. He's throwing people to the ground. And I don't think like in his BFG, in his rookie year, he looked like a 10 year veteran, just chucking people to the ground. Great peripheral, fantastic in, uh, in categories leagues. I don't think you're getting him. Like I think our ADP is probably not doing him any justice here in the fourth round for categories leagues. You're probably looking at him there in the fourth round, like a lot earlier, or even a third round guy. Uh, he is eighth in our ADP, probably going like six in cats leagues. But this is a guy that's going to fill all of the categories, all of them, maybe not plus minus. And I think that if he plays another 82 and if he plays another 82 games, I have him for over that 55 because of the moves they've made. I mean, we've uh, we've lauded the Detroit wet Red Wings for the moves that they've made. Uh, I love the Andrew Cop. I love the David Perron. Like, Lucas Raymond is going to take another step forward. I still believe in Jakob Verana if he stays, you know, if he stays around and actually produces. They have a very deep team. I do. I I, I like this a lot for him. I, I think that, uh, you know, I see a possible, I'm taking 60. Oof. I would take the over on 60. I really would. If he plays another 82 games, I would take the over on 60. I like the 55-ish, you know, give or take a couple, but 60 would be hot. I'm in I'm in on it, and it's because of the additions. It's because he did all that with, you know, what they had last year, and they were, you know, 
they were a surprise to say the least last year. This year they made real moves. They look like a legit, at least on paper, at least on paper. And usually I'm scared of big changes, but this was a big change to the fucking better. Not like, hey, we're, you know, really mixing up our... They bought a second line the the way that uh, Vegas did back in the day where they got like Stone and Pacioretty and, you know, they put together a line. They got Cop, they got Perron. Veron is going to be there. You know, they bring in guys like Kubalik. This is a better team than it was last year. He 21 power play points last year for Mo Sider. And that's surprising. In Detroit, I think then you know a lot of the forwards were like in the 15, 16, 17, 18 range, but that's the thing is he touches the puck. We're going back to what you were saying about Adam Fox. He is, you know, the straw that serves the drink on the power play. He's going to be touching the puck. He's the distributor. I don't know if I got him for thirty, which is the way that I would see him getting to sixty points is is bumping up those power play points. But it's a team that's going to score more at even strength. It's you're going to score more at even strength. David Perron on the power play is not going to be a bad thing. He's not. So triple P power play Perron. It's going to help. So, you know, 25 power play points. If he can do 25 at even strength, that's 50 right there. If he can do 30 at even strength, we're looking at 55, 60 is going to be a stretch, but it's, it's not impossible, not by any stretch. So I had him at number 10, Zach, you had him at uh, nine, Roger, you had him at 10. He wasn't freakish really. Like I think what makes him good is just the way he plays. He hits a lot. He blocks a lot. He, you know, he only had seven goals, so it wasn't like he had a freakishly high shooting percentage where he was getting all these weird goals or anything. Like the power play is going to improve, so if anything, the power play points are going to go up. His offense is probably going to go up a tiny bit. I mean, he ended up ninth overall in terms of fantasy last year, and I think if he stays the same, you know, he was ninth overall, and I think staying the same is pretty reasonable to ask from a 22-year-old. Like he'll probably get better. All he has to do is stay the same, and and stat wise, he's, he should be top ten. So yeah, I'm I'm all in for him. I really like it. But everybody really likes him, and that's sometimes a problem in terms of ADP. Depending on in your league, like right, I'm looking at the Fantrax ADP in front of me, and he's going 43 right now, which means he's going ahead of Riley. He's going right with Chris Letang, uh, going ahead of Burns. So that's the only downside to Cider is everybody loves him. Yep. Let's do our top 10, and then I'll get into the honorable mentions here. Top 10, Kale McCarr, Victor Hedman, Roman Yossi, Adam Fox, John Carlson. That's our top five. Chris Letang, Brent Burns, Morgan Riley, Aaron Eckblad, Mo Cider. Six through 10. Our honorable mentions, Quinn Hughes at number 11, Shea Theodore at 12, Drew Doughty, Miro Heiskanen, Thomas Shabbat. That is our honorable mentions, 11 through 15. And I wanted to say, just on on Shea Theodore here, man, I had him at number 11. Zach, you had him at 18. What gives? Dude, <laughs> fuck the Knights. Fuck the Knights. Dude, they're going to they're gonna suck. We teased a little bit of, you know, a big disagreement here. And I'm going to, you know, a little bonus content for Gen Pop out there. We're going to give you guys a little, little something. I had Ross Pistolin at number 12. Zach, you had him at number 17. Zach, you, or Raj, you didn't have him on the list at all. Mm-mm. So what is up with that? I guess it's it's me versus you here because I have I have Darlene at number 12. You don't have him here at all. I'm the highest on him. You are obviously the lowest. Uh, what is your take? Buffalo. Buffalo is the take. I mean, he had a, one really quite good year. I don't know. I just, I just, I'm looking at my list and there's no one I want to bump off for any reason. 
man. I mean, that's what it really comes down to. There's no one on my list who I would give up for Darlene. And that's basically the bottom line. There's so much risk because it's Buffalo. They're not expected to win, which always bothers me when a team's not expected to win, that at any point you can just not play for a while. They might want to try out some of the the other options. I don't know. There's just no reason for him to try every single game is an issue. I just, there's so many things. And like I said, it basically comes down to, I'm just staring at my list and there's no one on there. He's just out there making business decisions? No, he's out there playing on a bad team that's supposed to be good eventually. And I I do not like that. And there's no one I think is that I'd bump. That's it. Two out of the last three years, he's had over a 50-point pace. And when I look at his stats directly next to Noah Dobson's, who you have here at number 18, I have at 17, and Zach has at 22, they are almost tit for tat the same player. They both played 80 games last year. They both had 13 goals. Dobson had 0.3 more shots on goal per game. But when I'm looking at pace, Darlene takes it. Even strength goals, Darlene takes it. Even strength points, Darlene takes it. Power play goals is tied. Power play points, Dobson wins by one. Shots, Dobson's got it. Hits, Darlene's got it by a decided marker. And blocks, uh, Dobson has. So like, I just see these two guys as pretty much the same player. You know, we, we can talk about Buffalo being really bad, but we can talk about the New York Islanders being not as exciting offensively. But where, where I like Buffalo is they are getting better and we're hoping that that the New York Islanders are going to get better. And Darlene, where's his ADP? I'm trying to find him here. 69.175. Noah Dobson is going 85. So actually there, Dobson's probably the better value. But Darlene is somebody that has a higher pedigree, has already put up for 54 points on a bad team. Pretty much exactly what we were saying about Brent Burns. Now, Darlene's not going to Carolina, so we can't use the same cell. But we can talk about how... You know, 54 points on a bad team, that's good. Especially when we were talking about Dobson, 53 points on a New York Islanders power play, that's good. And th- that's where that's where the disconnect is for me. Is uh, like I still think he's a good defenseman, easily top 20 fantasy defenseman, especially given the peripherals. I don't, I don't know. I want to put this one out to the to listeners here. And it's like we've seen his floor. Like I, I, I know what his floor should be. Yeah, it can be pretty scary because even in 2021, the 56 game season, he played every game and he had 23 points. So the the floor is very real. But you know, two out of the last three years, we've seen a ceiling year versus a floor year. I don't know. This this one I want to put out to the listeners what what the take is on uh, on Darlene versus Dobson. I mean, you can look at ADP and see what the the real thing is, but everybody's going to say they like Darlene better. I just don't see how Buffalo got any better. There's just nothing going on. Like it's another tank season option for Buffalo to get like maybe the next Connor McDavid type of player. So I yeah, another fantastic. Player. I really, I like I said, I just don't see it. And looking at all things considered, I wouldn't say he's a bad defenseman, but I have a feeling this is going to be a bad year. Raj said that he's going to get healthy scratched. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cut. He's That's what cut. I heard you say, Raj. Like I said, I'm looking at my list, and I definitely don't want to bump anybody from my top 25 even. so Not uh, not Eric Carlson? Nope. Absolutely not. Doesn't have Brent Burns. Not Devin Tays? No. I don't know. Devon Tays is pretty good. Yep. He's pretty good. Exactly. <laughs> and we've got him down I'm, at like 23. So. Yeah. Our top 10s. One by one, I had Makar, Hedman, Yossi, Fox, Carlson as my top five, Burns, Latang, Riley, Ekblad, Cider to to round it out. Zach? 
like we said before, we all had the same one, two. So I had Makar Hedman, one and two. But I put Adam Fox ahead of Roman Yossi, unlike the two of y'all. Uh, John Carlson, number five. Aaron Eckblad, Quinn Hughes. I put Quinn Hughes here because of the points. Because the points, he's fantastic. He, you know, you're not getting periphery from him, um, but still, like straight up point per game defensemen are hard to come by, and Quinn Hughes legit is one. So he was almost assist the game. Yeah, it was ridiculous. So like, I I've got to put him, you know, high in my top ten. So I have him higher than actually even you, Raj. Uh, but I have Chris Letang after that, Mo Sider at number nine, and Morgan Riley rounding out my top ten. I did not have Quinn Hughes higher than you. That's awesome. Another thing about him, though, is power play points. Like Canucks, just for whatever reason, they can be good or shitty, but they get a lot of power play points, and it's always going to be Quinn Hughes. So that's good. Uh, but I had uh, Makar, Hedman, Yossi, and then my big difference was I had Letang uh, higher than you guys at four. Uh, and then Fox, Burns, Riley, Carlson, Hughes, and then Mo Sider. Right on. All right. Well, that's that. That's going to end our uh, our ranking series. So uh, I hope you guys dig it. If you are, don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, however you find us. And uh, follow us on Twitter at FHF Hockey. We're in the Fantasy Hockey Discord all the time. We'll, we'll catch you next week. Love yous. Love yous. Love you.